Hello, everyone. I'm Brady Volpe, founder of The Volpe Firm and Nimble This. Thanks for joining us for this live hangout. Today, we're going to be talking about DOCSIS, pre-equalization, critical aspects of pre-EQ on the CMTS. My guest is John Downey, consulting network engineer at Cisco Systems. Welcome, John. Thanks, Brady. Good to be here. <laughs> By the way, if you're on Twitter, feel free to use the hashtag VOLPFIRM, V-O-L-P-E-F-I-R-M. If you submit a question to hashtag VOLPFIRM, we'll be able to answer that. I'll be monitoring that during the, uh, the, the hangout today. You can also post questions directly to the live broadcast, and we'll answer those questions as we're doing the broadcasts, if they're, if they're relevant to what we're talking about. We're going to try to keep this hangout relatively brief. We set a goal for 15 minutes, but uh, for anyone who's watched either John or I talk, you know that we can spend 15 minutes or 45 minutes just on our agenda for what we're going to talk about. So uh, we will try to keep it short. This will be recorded, so you can watch it later on as well. But we're, we're going to get started on, on our topic today. And uh, uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is, for anyone who's not familiar with DOCSIS pre-equalization, uh, I'm going to ask John to give us his perspective on what pre-equalization is and sort of you know how it works on the CMTS side of things, since that's sort of an expertise that he has. So, John? All right, thanks, Brady. So pre-equalization is, if we break down the word pre-equalization, for an RF person, they might think of EQs, equalizers, equalizing RF in an amplifier. Um, here we're trying to pre-equalize the signal from the cable modem's perspective. So from the CMTS, we see a signal on the upstream that may be tilted. It may have in-channel standing waves. Uh, there may be things we don't see with a spectrum analyzer, like group delay. So it's timing issues. Well, the CMTS can see that and tell the modem on an individual modem basis to pre-equalize. Now, besides pre-equalization, which was introduced with DOCSIS 1.1, and then it was expanded upon with DOCSIS 2.0 with ATDMA mode, uh, we had something called adaptive equalization in the CMTS, the upstream chip, whether that upstream chip was Broadcom or TI, which is now Intel. Um, that adaptive equalization, some people were calling it post-equalization, which I don't kind of like that term, it would look at every single burst coming up and try to straighten it out, clean it up before it decoded it. So by demodulating that RF signal, uh, I could maybe have a poor MER, and then after demodulating and cleaning it up, if you want to call it that, uh, we could get a better MER. Well, now we're taking it a step further, and we're saying, let's have the modems pre-distort their signal to make up for their path back to the CMTS. Because every modem from every house could have a different upstream MER because of micro-reflections, group delay, different problems in the house. It's a good, good intro there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Per perfect coverage. And So while we're talking about different types of modems, we have a whole legacy of modems out there. And you, you said, you know, this goes back quite a bit, all the way maybe to DOCSIS 1.0, DOCSIS 1.1, DOCSIS 2.0 modems. And we have a lot of people saying, well, it may not be good to use DOCSIS pre-equalization with 1.1 modems, 2.0 modems. You know, what are the differences that we see between the pre-equalization pre capabilities in the DOCSIS 1.1 modem versus what we have in DOCSIS 2.0 and DOCSIS 3.0 modems? 
All right, so let me give you a, a brief overview. Doxus 1.1 was all software additions to Doxus 1.0, meaning quality of service, UGS flows. The only hardware, I would call it hardware, or physical layer difference 1.1 added to 1.0 was this pre-EQ by allowing the RF to be pre-distorted. Now, it only added an eight-tap equalizer. My analogy to that is eight sampling points. When I first uh, explained to RF people, eight taps, they're like, oh, it can only go through eight taps? <laughs> I'm like, not RF taps that you see out in the cable plant. <laughs> so that can be a little confusing. A tap is a tap of time. So if I were to draw the upstream signal, you know, a haystack, if you will, and I had eight sampling points, well, eight sampling points in a 3.2 megahertz wide channel is not too bad. But what if it's a 6.4 megahertz wide channel we use for ATDMA, DOCSIS 2.0? Eight sampling points is kind of coarse. It's not very granular. So if I had a in-channel standing wave and those eight sampling points were at the peak of every one of those standing waves, you would not get a very good digital representation of that channel. So how could the CMTS tell the modem to send the opposite? It couldn't. So DOCSIS 2.0 tried to expand the granularity of these taps by going to a 24-tap equalizer. So now we have three more or three times more sampling points. So we can get a good digital representation. Uh, we can uh, tell the modem to pre-distorted signal a little bit better. Now, 1.0 never supported pre-EQ. So by default, I know I'm going to speak from Cisco's side, our Cisco CMTS does not have pre-equalization on by default. Because if we turn it on by default, your 1.0 modems could hang. Some people use the terminology, they'll brick up, because basically they're like a brick now, because they won't do anything. We send pre-equalization taps during initial maintenance when the modem's first coming online, and also station maintenance. So we do station maintenance from a CMTS perspective every 15 to 20 seconds to every single modem. We're doing leveling, frequency adjustment, time adjustment, now pre-equalization if that is turned on. So if the pre-EQ is manipulated every 15 to 20 seconds, we can see, you know, in a regular RF breathing HFC plant, the MER is going to change all the time, even when the wind blows. So we can update the pre-equalization. Now, 1.0 modems, like I said, don't understand it. So the CMTS might send pre-EQ taps to a 1.0 modem when it's registering, because during a cable modem registration, we don't know what that modem is. We don't know if a modem is a 1.0, or 3.0 modem until a certain point in that registration process. And by that point, we could have a pre-EQ information sent to it, and the modem just doesn't know what to do with it. So my recommendation would be, if you ever change DOCSIS mode on the upstream to ATDMA, well, if you go to ATDMA, all the 1X modems are gone anyway because they don't understand a MAC message. I think it's TL MAC message 29. So that the 1110 modems would never even lock on to an upstream channel or get a UCD, upstream channel descriptor, for an ATDMA channel. So if I change DOCSIS mode to ATDMA, you know it's going to be all 2.0 and 3.0 modems. Turn on pre-EQ. The CMTS command is just called cable upstream and equalization coefficient. That's just the way to turn it on. So by going to a 24-tap equalizer, I have a lot better granularity, much better MER readings. Now, granted, this sounds like a Band-Aid because pre-EQ is letting the modem get a better MER, which is good for the end customer, but now we also have to worry about how do we proactively monitor how hard that pre-EQ is working. Pretty, okay. I, like you said, we can talk yeah. all day, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we've had a bunch more people join. So for those of you who are joined just recently, we are talking 
about DOCSIS pre-equalization right now, um, sort of covering the basics of it. Feel free, there's a Q&A on the live, uh, uh, live hangout, so you feel free to ask questions, submit those in, and we'll, we'll cover those as we go along. Uh, right now, so, you know, John, you've sort of covered the basics of pre-EQ. What type of impairments uh, are you commonly seeing pre-EQ uh, cover in the upstream? And also, what kind of improvements do you see when you enable pre-equalization as far as you know, upstream SNR slash MER do you see? And, and also while we talk about that, you know, we always see SNR reported uh, from, the, from the chipset, and I always like to say it's both SNR and MER because we refer to it in, in the same way. If you, you can maybe cover those topics, because I, I talk about that a lot from, for people and say, you know, SNR is kind of MER, um, but maybe you can talk about it from the, from the Cisco CMTS perspective. So. Yeah, I, ironically, um, originally our iOS, inter, internetworking operating system, reported SNR, signal to noise ratio. We've changed that terminology to modulation error ratio, which is more in line with what it really is. But you'll see in some of our show commands on the CMTS, we say MER and in quotes or parentheses SNR. <laughs> so we're carrying it along with us because it is really the same thing. It's after the chipset demodulates the signal. Now. Here's where one case where that can be misleading. I could have a low CNR, carrier to noise ratio, which is what you see on the spectrum analyzer, which is amplitude to amplitude. I see the carrier level. I see the noise floor. If I have a narrow, constant type of carrier, like CB, citizen's band at 27 megahertz, the carrier noise is just amplitude to amplitude. So it could be 10 dB CNR. But the SNR, which we now call MER, could be 25. Then you're scratching your head. How can the MER be better than what the CNR is? Well, by default, we also have something on called ingress cancellation. So and ingress cancellation will cancel. In, in, ingress cancellation is available in DOCSIS 2.0 in Grader. Is that that's correct? You know, interesting enough, I don't believe it's actually part of the spec. It just happens to be in the chipsets that were created when Broadcom and TI were making the chipsets. So they both have their own implementation of ingress cancellation. It's like Bose headphones. Sample the noise, run it out of phase with itself, and digitally erase it. So it's a pretty cool feature. It's on by default. So that's one advantage, right? That's just one more tool in our tool bag. So this MER reading is after that ingress cancellation already takes effect. So that's where I was going with that. So this MER reading, I'm going to give you an example. Let's suppose you're running 3.2 megahertz wide channel. It's not too wide, it's, eight, it's TDMA, 16 qualm, and your MER reading is uh, 27 dB. Let's suppose you double your channel width to 6.4 megahertz. On the Cisco CMTS, we keep same average power. So what happens, if, if you can kind of visualize this, a 3.2 channel of this much power will widen and drop to be the same power. It's just spread over more bandwidth. So if you think about 3.2 to 6.4, that's double, you drop 3 dB in your CNR readings. So what will happen is CNR will drop by 3. MER, if the noise is just out of white Gaussian noise, MER will drop by 3 dB. But the problem here is you're looking at a wider channel with more group delay usually in that wider channel. And there might be ingress in there as well. So normally I'm seeing 5, 6, 7, 8 dB drop in MER just by doubling my channel width. But as soon as I turn on pre-EQ, that MER might come right back again. 
So the pre-EQ is a great feature, especially for wider channels. Now, this is kind of ironic also, is many people were trying to squeeze out more spectrum from the upstream, 5 to 42. We don't use below 20 typically because of upstream ingress noise or impulse noise. So normally between 20 and 42, maybe 20 to 40, 42 is kind of pushing it. It also depends on how long your amplifier cascades are. Is that modem after 5 amps in cascade or only 3 amps in cascade? To stay away from group delay, the normal thing would be to stay away from the diplex filter roll-off. But now that we're trying to do upstream bonding, we're kind of running out of spectrum. So to do 2, 3, 4, 18 TDMA channels of upstream bonding, that's 6.4 times 4, that's 25.6 mega, megahertz, that's 15 to 40. So there's not a lot of spectrum there to work with. Um, so pre-EQ is definitely advantageous for that frequency real close to the diplex filter. But it's also, I'm finding now that we're doing 64 qualm that's less robust than 16 qualm, it's micro-reflections that are causing a lot of my issues. And, it, and this is kind of interesting, is some of the micro-reflections we've been dealing with, and maybe we just kind of just shake it off or just we don't worry about it, because 16 qualm QPSK pretty robust, it could be unterminated taps. So you have end-of-line taps or uh, lower-value taps, like a 11 dB tap, four-port 11 dB tap. If four customers are not hooked up physically to that tap and there's unterminated spigots, well, the signal on another tap can see that open, come back, and reflect. So we have reflections. As you have seen with proactive network maintenance and your, your uh, application too, there's little impedance mismatches in the plant that may not manifest as real bad for downstream or upstream with QPSK or 16 qualm, but with 64 qualm, 6.4 megahertz, eh, maybe it's it's now manifesting itself as problems or low MER. Right, and, and Sorry, so that's, I, I could, that's where pre-equalization is really going to come in and help compensate for those upstream impairments, correct? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, so I know I'm kind of getting off track, but I think the question was, uh, MER, like how is MER coming into play? So like I was mentioning, MER is after ingress cancellation, but it also takes into account not just added white Gaussian noise, but it's taking into account group delay, which is timing issues. Um, Micro-reflections, which you could see with an upstream sweep equipment, like an upstream standing wave, if you did upstream sweep with really tight uh, sweep points. So um, I, th I think that kind of answers the question. I didn't tiptoe around it too much, right? No, yeah, I, thought, I think you covered it pretty well. Um, you know, let's say a cable operator does not have pre-EQ launched currently in their system, but they're thinking they'd like to take advantage of, of that in, increased MER, SNR in the upstream, take advantage of the fact that it's going to band-aid or, you know, take care of some of the issues they have. Do you have recommendations for a cable operator, you have sort of best practices, things that they should do before they enable pre-EQ since it's not turned on by default, have you, as you've indicated? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things. I mean, one, a lot of the test equipment now has built-in cable modem, but your test equipment is meant to track down problems. So you're better off, probably in the CMTS, excluding the test equipment from pre-EQ so you can quantify the RF plant impedance mismatches and micro-reflections. That's the whole point of the test equipment, right, is to track down where the problems are. You don't want the built-in modem in the test equipment to have a Band-Aid, so there might be better to have um, no equalization in the test equipment so you can kind of quantify where the bad parts are in the plant. So that is possible. You can exclude pre-EQ from a MAC address or an OUI in the CMTS. 
and that could be your test equipment. Uh, I also recommend that, by the way, for load balancing. Sometimes I, I exclude my test equipment from load balancing so the RF tech out in the field doesn't have his built-in cable modem swapping between downstreams when he's trying to measure one downstream and load balance intercepts it and moves it to another downstream while he's trying to register the test equipment. So, I mean, there's ways to exclude test equipment. The other recommendation would be I would like to quantify my upstream with a 6.4 megahertz wide channel before pre-EQ is turned on. And not just injecting the test equipment cable modem at the node. Do the worst case. Go to the end of line. Isn't that going to be worst case? Different end of lines. Different, you know, you have two diplex filters in every amplifier. So I'd rather go to the last amplifier, five amps in cascade. See what my MER is going to be on the upstream without pre-EQ on. In, for that matter, the, the modem might not even register. It could be so bad, it might not even register. You might have to turn on pre-EQ just to get it to register. But uh, it's better to be able to quantify it without pre-EQ and set a baseline. For 64 qualm, I know the breaking point's around 23 dB. I set my, my thresholds for what I call dynamic modulation so the CMTS can self-heal, so the CMTS can change modulation on the fly if it needs to. And I usually set my threshold for 24 dB, which is 1 dB above the breakpoint where I think the breakpoint is for 64 qualm. Normally, we would like to see 3 dB headroom. So if I want 64 qualm to work uh, reliably, I want to see a 27 dB MER. If, it's, if I'm trying to quantify before I turn on pre-EQ, I want to see at least a 25 dB MER. And I know sometimes that's hard to do. Some people will just say, stay away from the diplex filter. Yeah, that's fine for the group delay, but what about micro-reflections? I've seen sometimes where the MER at 30 megahertz was worse than the MER at 38 megahertz, which seems really counterintuitive. And so, I mean, best practices, uh, one more thing I want to add of best practice. If you are using frequencies below 20 megahertz, there's ways to turn on something called upstream interleaving in the mod profile that might help with impulse noise. That could be another topic later on, right? Yeah, so I, I mean, that is something that you and I have tested for, other people have talked about, is the impact of impulse noise on pre-equalization and some of the, some of the challenges it can have. And I think that, that, uh, that, that's something you can briefly touch on right now, sort of as one of our last topics, and also something that you guys do in the CMTS to help recover from a large impulse or ingress event in the upstream that can, that can sort of wreck uh, pre-equalization. So if, if you wouldn't mind, just cover that and, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, definitely. It's a good segue, right? The um, impulse noise is an interesting, I guess, conundrum. The CMTS is trying to tell the modem to pre-equalize, but what if that pre-equalization that comes back from the cable modem to the CMTS gets corrupted? Maybe it gets corrupted from normal upstream noise, impulse noise, and the information gets corrupted by the CMTS and the CMTS tells the modem to do something opposite. I've seen cases where, I'm going to give you an example. MER was 26. Uh, I doubled the channel with MER dropped to 22. I turned on pre-EQ, the MER went back to 28. I'm like, oh, cool. This Band-Aid is working. This pre-equalization is making the cable modem have a better MER. And that's all the real end customer cares about is better MER and you know, bits are going through. But then two days later, the MER dropped to 18. I'm like, whoa. It's worse than when I started. It turned out the pre-equalization was getting out of sync with itself. Instead of working better, it was working worse. We knew from a CMTS perspective, we're dealing with all these different modem vendors, this breathing RF plant that can be changing, and we don't know different modem vendors and different firmware, how it reacts. So we said, let's have like a catch-all on the CMTS. 
that if a modem's MER drops by 3 dB in one station maintenance cycle, which is 15 to 20 seconds, we're kind of chalking it up to the pre-EQ being messed up. So by looking at the modem's MER all the time, and we see it drop above this threshold of 3 dB, we say, oh, we probably, it's probably bad MER, so let's send a TLV9 to the modem. It's a uh, pre-equalization direct load. We're basically telling the modem, clear yourself out and let's start over from scratch. So this is kind of a, a catch-all from the CMTS perspective to say, if I had MERs dropping that much, it's probably pre-EQ. Even if it was RF plant issue, it's not going to really hurt much to, to have the modem reset itself. It's almost like recalibrating, right? Have the modem recalibrate itself and let's start from scratch again. And that's what we do now in the CMTS. It's on by default once you turn on pre-equalization. This feature says when the modem drops by 3 dB in a station maintenance cycle, reset its pre-EQ task by sending a direct load. What I would recommend is track the modems that are getting a lot of direct loads because those modems might need a firmware upgrade and it, or there might be impulse noise in the plant. If I do a show Kim modem and a MAC address verbose, I can get some of these parameters. You know, the one thing we forgot to, to pop up on the screen, we were going to show, uh, we we're going to screen share of what pre-EQ kind of looked like. And by looking at this here, can you see that, Brady? Not yet. How about Not now? So there? Yes. Okay, so if you look in the upper top, this was a signal on the upstream I was trying to run at the very bandage, and it turned out this wasn't even roll-off from my RF plant because I didn't have actually a diplex filter plugged in. It was a 5 to 65 megahertz upstream. This was the built-in filter in the modem itself. Keep in mind, the modem has a filter also. I was able to turn on pre-EQ, and this is interesting, the pre-EQ of the modem compensated for the filter in the modem. And I was able to get a nice flat signal at the CMTS. The MER started at a 23 and a lot of uh, correctable fat because I'm right near the break point of 64 qualm. And then once I turned on pre-EQ, my MER jumped up to 36. So I got a lot better MER and no, no, uh, FEC, no forward error correction errors were happening. So, I mean, that was a 6.4 megahertz wide channel. And that's like 15, 20 dB of built-in tilt. Now, normally you're not going to see that, you know, that big of a, a problem. Usually, pre-EQ is helping with things you don't see, group delay and micro-reflections. So how do I... Now, let's get back. <laughs> Did I unshare? Uh, almost. Okay. It's not, it's not unshared yet. How about <laughs> now? There's a, there you go. Here comes your face again. There you go. You're getting on to it, John. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Technology. Can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If only we were geeks and we understood the technology world, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, any, uh, any, did I cover that okay with the direct load? The, uh, yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, one, go ahead. One, I wanted to give one more thing. The direct load works well. This TLV9 works well with 2.0 and 3.0 modems, but for 1.1 modems, the modem that gets a direct load actually will reset. So this is another reason why maybe I don't even want to have pre-EQ on for my 1.0. Well, 1.0 doesn't work, but for 1.1 modems, if I had my preference, I would get rid of all 1.0 and 1.1 modems anyway. But Now, when you preference. say reset, you mean the cable modem is going to go offline and come back online? It's, I mean, it's rebooting? Yeah, yeah. So the MER is so bad that the CMTS saw it drop, and it's gonna, it doesn't support TLV9 because that was added with DOCS 2.0. It's going to end up taking the modem resetting the upstream and have to rearrange. Okay, so that's something good to know, something good to keep in mind. I mean, I've, I've actually had a, a lot of good experience with DOCSIS 1.1 modems 
operating with pre-equalization on, but occasionally we do see problems. I've actually had bad experience with some DOCSIS 3.0 modems with older firmware versions uh, running running with pre-equalization. So we do see some strange things going on, but that will be the topic of our of our next of part two of this uh, session that we're going to have on May 2nd. So you know, for everyone listening, put this on your calendar, and uh, we'll we'll be talking a little more in depth about pre-equalization and also about proactive network maintenance, which takes advantage of the pre-equalization coefficients that are in cable modems. We'll talk in more detail about what those coefficients are, what they mean, how to interpret them, and how how the CMTS sends that information to the cable modem and, and how that all works. And so John and I will get into more detail about that. John, I, I want to thank you for your time today and the information that you provide. It's awesome information and quite helpful. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. It's this is good this is a good medium, I think, or you know, to translate or transfer this type of information. Works really well. Thanks. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's good to see your facial expressions as well. So, uh, <laughs> thanks everyone who uh, who attended the the the, uh, the Google Hangout, and for everyone who will be watching afterwards. And please be sure to come back on May second. Uh, I think same time, 2 p.m. for our our follow up and uh, bring questions then. So, thanks very much. Thanks everyone very much, and uh, have a great great weekend. Bye. -bye. Bye.